Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. How's things? Things are good. Finally, things are starting to look like, yes, I can see the end in sight. It wasn't crazy today, so. For their challenge? Um, uh, yeah, like, I mean, there's still, like, a lot to do, but it's, like, a reasonable lot, not, like, a girl how lot, you know? Mm. You're so, over the mountaintop. Yes, definitely, because I'm like, woohoo, we've gotten all the super hard stuff out of the way. Now it's just, like, basic my normal, like, okay, like I was telling my sister, there's always a level of stress. You know how it is when you when you manage people or you run a company or whatever, that there's always a level of stress that you expect, and I've learned to deal with it, but then there's times when it's like, okay, this is not the normal, like, usually five things are broken, but today, 10 or 15 are broken. Okay, that's another level, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so that, like, I knew I was having, I knew things were, I had gotten good when, like, yesterday, literally, the Literature Academy site went down and no one could take a class. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, it was just some little, like, um, you have to switch to, like, I don't know, there's, like, this new certificate that websites have to have now. Some, and whatever. So I forgot to switch over. So I suspected that what that's what it was. So I just called GoDaddy. And they were like, oh, yeah, you have to switch over. And it was, like, an hour. And then it was back up. But they were freaking out. Like, the team was like, oh, my God, everybody's emailing us. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, this is nothing. It's only one thing broken today. I can handle that. <laughs> That's the worst when you know exactly what's wrong, but everyone else doesn't know that you know yet, and they're all telling you, oh. I know. I know. But and I, I mean, I suspected. I didn't know for sure. Uh, but I was like, I think that's what it is. So I was like, you know, let's hope. And basically, I just wait an hour to see. Let's hope that my, that, you know, my guess was right. And it was. So I was like, whew. But even then, honestly, I said, well, the thing about websites is somebody knows the answer. So, I mean, it's just a matter of we have to keep calling it till the right tech person gets on the phone. Yeah, it's really frustrating if you um, are running an operation and relying on third-party services. Like, I think we've all been there when, like, Gmail goes down. Or, like, yes. Two weeks ago, Google Docs went down, and I was like, so I guess we're just not going to be doing any work. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm, like, so reliant on Google Docs for everything. Um we we just started so I manage over forty freelance writers as part freelance writers and like video producers mostly writers as part of my job, and we just got on this new system this like very sleek, um, sort of startup feeling. Although I didn't realize it was really a startup when we um when we approved it new system for like managing people and it's supposed to be great because you can pay people all in one place and people get paid faster and fast paid writers or happy writers and blah, 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 blah. 
And then it was really being pushed by like another person in our company. So when we were acquired in the summer, he was like, yeah, you know, this is a great opportunity. I've been trying to get them to use this new system. Sounded good to me. I, I made the dumb assumption that he had done a lot of like testing of it. And we had a couple of like, you know, preview calls where you share your screen and you see how it's going to work and it all looked great. But Jesus, I feel like I have been sold a lemon car. Like it looks good on the outside, but there are so many bugs. And I'm realizing that with 40 freelancers and 120 assignments a month and all these like demands for content that we have this, we're being like guinea pigs for this company. Mm. And I am like constantly emailing them for bug issues and like emailing their customer support. It is it is like approaching. I mean, at first I was like, okay, deep breaths. I was really like doing a good job. You know, like you said, handling like, you know, when things don't go wrong, I was trying to like mm-hmm. be calm, but I'm really approaching my breaking point. I'm like, I need this shit to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, no, there's nothing work. And you're right. I forgot. We did just start. Hey, it's Brown Ambition. It's Tiffany and Mandy, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, no, but the, the worst, my worst um, the worst email you could get from customer support is it worked for me. Yo, oh. I want to throw my computer. Like when mm-hmm. you know, you have you ever gotten that email? Cannot like, replicate oh the issue. <laughs> and they're basically like, okay, bye. And you're like, um, replicate nice to this. know that it worked for you, but <laughs> useless. You're a useless person, and you're not doing your job. And can you replicate this? middle finger emoji that I'm trying to oh my god yo prevent myself from sending to you (laughs) I remember one it was like so so the platform that we use is called um for I have an online school the literature academy and we use this platform called thinkific so before that we used another platform called kajabi which was supposed to be like the royals rolls royce of like online um, education platform. So basically it's the platform that you build your school on. You can customize it, blah, blah, blah. So I invested in Kajabi, built our school. Um, we were using it in a unique kind of way because I didn't realize that like, cause there's still not very many platforms where you could build like your online school. And most of those platforms assume that you were selling a one-off course. Like here's a six week course, we're done. But that's not how we were using it. We were using it like you pay a monthly access fee and you have access to all courses, past, present, and future. Right. Um, and so, you know, so we were having some issues, but, you know, we were trying to work through them and we were kind of like, you know, masking, taping solutions together. And then something broke and we emailed them to try to fix it and emailed and emailed. And at one point a month before, because the academy was growing so quickly, they had actually done a profile on me for their blog. Like, hey, here's a shining example of how someone can grow a great business on our on our website. But then after a while, they just stopped responding. It was basically like, um, the thing that you're complaining about, it's fixed. And I'm like, but it's not. I mean, I don't know what I don't. It's not fixed. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> the interwebs. <Okay. laughs> I was like, it's not fixed. And so for months, and then somehow we hunted down the founders on Facebook and found their personal Facebook page and messaged them like, hey, you profiled me on your site. This is, we're having this issue. It's not fixed. So we, we heard nothing. So finally, I just made the switch over to Thinkific, where we are now. We're very happy. That same day we made the switch, the, the founder of that website, Thinkific, actually reached out. We actually had a great conversation on the phone, and the customer support has just been amazing. And then maybe the day that the final switch were be- was being made, it was not, it was not cheap because we had to switch over and port over all of our students. Then the Kajabi people finally reached back out, and they were like, oh, my gosh, Tiffany. We'd love to jump on the phone with you. I'm so sorry. What happened? And I was like, girl, it's too late. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and it was this so. Bad honestly, business. 
what? I mean, Mandy, they were so embarrassed. Like we actually had a video chat and their faces were like, I said, here's the issue. I said, I can't come back even if I wanted to, because we've already paid the money to switch over. Like I, you know, at that time we had about 3,000 students. I'm like, literally the money has been spent. Today's the last day. Like there's nothing. They were just like, cause you know, please don't go. I said, here's what disturbed me that I emailed, I emailed, I Facebook, I tried to stay and and nothing. The customer support was non-existent. And now that after months of trying, we're making our switch. Now, I don't know, maybe you did a Google search. You said, hey, this is a good viable business. I just don't like, to me, it's like, well, you should treat people right to treat people right. And they were so sheepish. And even to this day, they still email me every once in a while. Like, if you ever want to come back, why would I want to come back? You know, like, it's just yeah. really bad business. And I just remember thinking like, oh, customer support. And But it was a good lesson because our customer support, like I, I really um, train my customer support staff that you're not finished unless the person says yes. Like, you know, everything has been answered. I'm good to go. I said, if you email someone and they email you back that they don't get it or they don't understand, you have one more email before you suggest. I bought like a special conference call line. Then you say, would you like to jump? on a call because sometimes things get lost and you know when you're writing and so no like a, we i believe in super serving i never want to feel how kajabi made me feel i never want like the dream builders or dream catchers to feel that kajabi did us wrong <laughs> i know they're like yikes not me? again I mean, kajabi you're naming names not, i'm not gonna name i still have to use this system I, I, uh, I, i'm just, like i don't care but Sorry, it is frustrating. Yeah, the tools that because we rely on tools and they can be super helpful. But I know people out there nodding their heads like, yes, I had. To, and it's always, you know, my 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 issue is like they're in different time zones. And anyway, 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 um, the holidays are right around the corner, I which know. is maybe adding the teensiest bit of anxiety to my really? to my situation. Um, just because like I'm leaving, I'm going to spend a couple of days with my mom's um, family in Minneapolis. Um, so I leave the end of this week. So Thursday, Friday, I'll be gone. And I'm just, it's just like, you know, trying to tick off the stuff on my to-do list before I go. I'll probably end up staying super late at work tomorrow just so I can get stuff done. Because okay. I'm, I, I don't like working when I'm supposed to be off. It makes me, I just, not that I don't I mean, of course, no one likes to work when they, when they take time off, but you know, there's some people who are like, oh, it's okay. You know, I'm going to take time off, but I'll be approachable online and whatever. Like, I don't like the way I feel when I'm, you know, at my mom's house and she's, you know, like wanting me to hang out and I'm like at the computer. I don't want it to be that way. So I'd rather yeah. just like do the work, work my ass off before, um, but I did finally do some shopping this weekend, left it really to the last minute. I went to the, the M word, the mall. Does anyone go there ah! anymore? <laughs> I went once and I was like, where am I? <laughs> it's a virtual. It was like, it was like a, a different world. Wh where'd you go when you went to the mall? So there's a mall near me in Jersey city called Newport mall. And I, yeah. I looked online Friday night cause I'm an old lady and do nothing on Friday nights anymore. Um, except for plan my shopping the next day. And I saw that there have special opening hours from 8am, um, for the holiday season. And I was like, yes, I'm going to get up at the crack of dawn. Um, which I ended up not getting up that early, but I got there by nine and I was like, I'm going to beat these crowds. And I just went from like all, I went to Sephora, man, there is no greater pleasure in life. I think than just being the only person in a Sephora store, no one to fight over samples for all the people there wanting to help you. Like I felt like a princess. I'm like, yes, I'd like to see this and that. And I'll have this and sure. Could I have a sample of that? It was great. 
I feel like no one's really shopping because I I'd gone to the mall with my sister and it was a Sunday. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, it was a Tuesday at like noon. It was last Sunday. And I was actually really surprised, like, huh. There yeah. it was it wasn't it wasn't um no one, but it wasn't packed like I expected, you know? It's not like the old days because everyone shops online now. Yeah. And and people in general, like I've I've been interested. I've been you know, if you listen to the news reports about retailers, a lot of retailers are projecting lower sales than average for the holiday mm. season. And it's been this way for a while, like the big department stores like the Macy's, JCPenney's, they've been struggling for a mm. long time to get people to come back like they used to. Um, so maybe that's like playing into it. Um, and just like malls in general are dying. They're they're not I mean, they're still the big malls and I think they'll always sort of be there, but a lot of smaller malls have been closing. It's just not that part of it's not the kind of I don't know if even kids like when I was a kid, that's the only thing you could do. It's like you go to Waffle House or you can go to the mall. And like, it was like a social activity, spend all day there. I don't know that people do that anymore since they they live in their phones now. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, I feel like people don't really, I honestly, I've done a lot of regifting because like I get, sometimes you go to conferences. I know. Conference regifting? Come on. (laughs) No No one wants your, no one wants your day planner. (laughs) No, I got some really good stuff. I got like an Amazon Echo. Oh um, shit! What kind of conferences do you go to? I know I got a um a Kate Spade uh co- um computer um case. It's beautiful leather, and I was like, ooh, and but it's not the size of my computer. Um, mm-hmm. and so like, cause I have like a um a, a mic um what is this a MacBook Air? So it's like a regular size one. I was like, mm, someone is getting this Kate Spade uh thing, and it's gonna be happy about it. So I got a like, I had maybe like three or four really like nice things, not like you know like the cheesy conference stuff. But like just nice things, and I was like, "Well, let me put these up." And so I'm like, mm, "Somebody's gonna get this." <laughs> I do believe I, in regifting. I do, only good stuff though, not like yeah, you know, yeah, only good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also believe in buying something for yourself while you're also shopping for other people. I say I believe it. I just really, I'm so bad. Like it's like I one for you and one for me and one for yes. you and one for me. <laughs> like, that. Oh my goodness! So I did what I did last year. I got my whole team. Something for tip from Tiffany's. Hey, that's like my tradition now. Well, two years Are because I have a friend that anything on your payroll. I, I, no, well, that's because I, a friend of mine um, works for Tiffany, so you get like a huge discount. Oh, okay. So, there we go. The truth comes out. Then, exactly. So I was like, you know, so I'm always like, I know I always have the budget per person, but it's like it's double. Like you know, like woohoo. So if my budget is fifty bucks per person, then it's like woohoo, I could spend a hundred. You know, what at um, Tiffany's but, like, is so, fifty dollars. Nothing really, but okay. there are things that there are things that are like not too far. No, well, not at fifty, but things that I can get for fifty. You see what I mean? Right, right, right. So right, that right. Wink, yeah. wink. So I, I kind of have like a you know a budget. Like okay, so as long as it's under a certain amount of money, we're fine. And so I just literally get everyone on the team the same thing. Last year I got them necklaces, and they were really cute. Everybody loved them. Um, and this year I got them something different because I know the team listens. I know they're like, oh, yes, ma'am. It's going to be late because really me and post office, it's probably not going to, I'm probably not going to get there on time. Mm-hmm. But it's like my way. And honestly, it's super easy because I can just make a, a really clear budget of this is what I'm going to spend. I order like, you know, 10 of them. And then usually I order like a four um, or order maybe like five or six more or something different. But for my my sisters, my mom and my two best friends. And that's it. It just makes it so easy. Like, here you go. 
But when you start having to buy individual gifts for individual people, it just gets to be too much. Team too much. I'm turning into my mother. Like I really like to just, I don't know. I just overthink it with the gift sometimes. But um, at least I got everything except for my husband done. I've, <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I was like, man, for the last month I've been saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to think about what to get him at work today. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. And then I just – I'm like, oh, shit, it's five days away and I haven't gotten my husband anything yet. It's fine, right? Well, yeah, because we decided. <laughs> I'll get something. Like, <laughs> like, we're fine. like, we're not getting each other anything. We just said what well, we're going <sighs> to get each other is the house. No, just That's because what I I'm- wanted. That's what I said. <laughs> But I'm married no. to a man who just likes presents. He's like, nah, give me something. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it sounds cute. But um, he likes gifts. Ooh. So this is like kind of like a random aside. So tomorrow I'm a little nervous. So I'm sitting down with my mom. She wants to talk about like retirement and stuff. And I was like, ah. Yeah. She's like, can you sit down with me and help me pull out everything? Um, she's not quite, quite ready for retirement as far as age wise. She has a couple of years, but this is the first time she's ever wanted to sit down. Like I've spoken to my dad, like, about like, you know, like money. Well, my mom talks about money too, but more so in a practical way, like this is how you budget, this is how you save. But this is more so here are my papers, here are my, and I told her, I was like, well, let's pull everything out and organize it. But I really think that we should sit down with a financial planner to really go through, because we don't need an advisor. Like they have the IRA. I don't want anyone selling them products and stuff like that. They have mm-hmm. all of those. It's just more so, because my dad has like all of these um He's really good, but you know how it is. Like, my my mom is like, whatever. I'm not listening to him. Well, not like that, but it's hard. It's just better to have, like, an individual person that can kind of say, okay, here are all of your accounts. Here are Here's the money that's coming in. Here's what the house is worth, that kind of thing. And, like, here's a plan that will put you where you want to be. I, like I said, I know my dad has a plan already, but I think my mom needs to hear about a plan from somebody else. <laughs> then your dad. Interesting. Yeah. Well, at least not, at least a, a plan, like, you know, I think she just needs like a, a, cause he's always managed to finance. So I think she just wants like someone to be like, well, here's what I'm thinking and feeling versus, cause my dad is like, the plan is set. It's, it's going good. If she sticks to the plan, we're good. I'm like, yeah, but that's the plan you created. Do you, do you have a joint plan where it's not just like, Hey, it's already set in motion. Cause my dad's like, you know, he's a G with money, but I'm like, you know, maybe the plan, maybe mommy wants to retire a year earlier than the plans. The plan would suggest, you know, maybe she wants to sell the house sooner. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, let's look at options within the plan. So I'm both nervous and kind of excited and actually surprised that she was like, come sit with me and let's go over like my money, you know, like ultimately I'm going to bring someone in, but I want to at least start to get her organized so she can start to think about what is it that you want so we can have someone help, you know, yeah. you and dad, you know, you and daddy figure out how do we get there with both of you guys kind of like compromising and, and getting there the way you want to get there. And at what point do you bring your dad into the conversation? Well, I think this time it's just be, it'll just be me, her, and like, I think my sister. Just, I mean, we're going to be at the house, and he'll be there just pulling things out. I think that we bring him into the conversation when, when I bring in the financial planner okay. to say, yeah. So you're kind say, of giving oh. your mom an opportunity to just to speak without the presence yeah. of your dad, who probably has, like, an overwhelming, like, yes. impact on, on the finances. Yeah, because yeah. my dad is, like, you know, nickel, dime, corn. Order, twist this knob the pulley is right re- you know like he has a whole and I guess you kind of and I can understand it's feeling like well wait I want to I have something to say you know mm-hmm. like he's retired and they're you know and they're honestly they're good but it's just you know I think that she just is like well I know that the plan requires me to stay another year or two but what if I want to leave next year yeah you know or what if I want to you know and so 
He's like, that's not part of the plan. I'm like, but daddy, you have to acknowledge that plans can change. I think I'm going to turn into your dad one day. (laughs) Don't ask any questions. Just follow follow the book. (laughs) Yes. Here's the book. The book has been written. Hasn't the book served as well? We put five kids through college and their masters. We have a house. We have, you know, no real debt. Like, you know, like the plan is working. And it's like, don't, don't deviate from the plan. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, just her opportunity to say, well, this is what I think and feel. And then bringing yeah. someone into, yeah. That is something so. that we worked on. We fought a lot um, about like uh, activities that make us happy that we don't have in common that cost money. Like that was mm. our, that's something that we sort of would butt heads about. Well, actually more so like I would just shoot down anything that I did. <laughs> That I didn't think was like you know a useful a useful um, way to spend resources, like okay. on uh, gadgets and car accessories and stuff. Meanwhile, here I am, Lottie Dog, going to like a million Broadway shows and concerts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, this is culture. Me. It's yeah. you know, it's not a thing. It's an experience. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was so me. I look back, I'm like, oh my goodness. Do you know how many times I'm like, oh, I'm traveling, I'm this and that, and he's like, ooh, you know. I think I'd like to get a speaker. And I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, the speaker thing. We've talked about it. What is it? But anyway. Yeah, but yeah. I, you know what I mean? It is kind of messed up. I'm like, really, Tiffany? Because you just came back from Jamaica. I'm like, I know yeah. that's different. Yeah. No. It is good to have outside an outside, you know, person to kind of come in and, and look and say, hey, there's actually room for both your plans to work, you know, congruently together. You know? Like, so... And I suspect that it is. I know that there's there's more than enough there. So I'm I, I'm actually really curious because it's been a while since like I've maybe since college since like I've seen all of their financials like on paper, you know? Yeah. Um. So I'm really curious to see Ooh, like what exciting. I know. So I'll report back as much as I can. I know my mom probably. I'm like, if you know my mom, please say nothing because she'll be like, Tiffany, gosh darn it. That was one of the hardest things for me as a reporter when I used to have to interview interview older people who were close to retirement age. And you want – like if you're going to really write a like a satisfactory story where the reader feels like they're getting the full picture, you need to ask about numbers like how much have you saved and – you know, how much are you, are you getting an income every month, you know, to, to spend on your lifestyle? And you get, you get used to like asking those personal questions. Um, and some people will answer, but I found that a lot of parents would tell me, don't you dare print this. I don't want my kids to know. Like, oh. I got that. I got that answer a lot. So it's, it's just, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's funny, but it's great that your mom doesn't feel that way about you. Like, well, what, what's about me, but I'm sure yeah. she'd be like, you, you told who, what, but she doesn't listen to podcasts. And if you know her, please be quiet. You told the world who? <laughs> um, so sidebar, I purchased Bitcoin. Did you really? Okay. Yes. So, well, here's why. Cause I said, you know what? I wasn't going to, but then um, for the Literature Academy, everyone was asking me, can you get a Bitcoin instructor? So I interviewed about five or six different people. And I was like, yeah, most people weren't a fit until I met this woman named um, Cassandra Cummings. And what I liked about her is that she wasn't a Bitcoin instructor. And I realized that's what didn't sit well with me about everybody else. That they were quote unquote Bitcoin instructors. And Cassandra is an investing instructor. She's a CFP and um, um, a CPA. So here's a woman who just had a really strong financial background, period. And then in in, um, in conjunction to teaching um, folks, especially women, about investing, she, you know, started teaching 
that here's an alternative, not an alternative, but in addition to what you're already doing, you know, Bitcoin is a thing. Let's talk about cryptocurrency. So I like that, that she was really well balanced versus just being this one thing. And what I like, too, is that she had already built this really great, robust community called um Stocks and stilettos. And so I had her come on um, to teach a lesson and it was really good. Like even me who had done a little bit of research, it really helped to explain what cryptocurrency was and, you know, um, why Bitcoin is this big thing and what does it really mean and even how to purchase it. And so I said, I always like to do what I, what, you know, my dream builders and dream catchers are doing. So I said, you know what, I'm going to sign up for this website Coinbase that she was talking about and let's see how easy it is. Honestly, Mandy, it took me five minutes and I bought $10 worth of Bitcoin just to see. And I was like, wow, she's she's a great teacher because this was super, super easy. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I was telling um, um, Superman about it. He was like, let's buy more. And I was like, um, so we're talking about like, you know, let's do a little bit more research to see like, because there are other kind of cryptocurrencies out there. But I'm definitely, now that I know how to do it, and understand it a little bit more. We should have her on as a guest because she was, like I said, was really great at explaining step by step. I felt like, you know, I was taking like a second grade class in cryptocurrency and I was like, oh, I get it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I know our yeah. listeners are like, why don't you have her on the show, Tiffany? I know. Uh, we should. <clears throat> I'm going to know. I'm sure she would love to. Yes. Cassandra coming. She was really, like I said, really good at explaining it. And just really, and what I liked is, is that she was realistic and like, don't be a fool. All your money should not be in Bitcoin. It should be a very small percentage of your overall investing strategy um, and that it's very, very volatile and risky and that you could be wealthy on paper today and literally broke on paper tomorrow, but broke in real life tomorrow because you put all your money um, into that. So I just like that she was realistic. And like I said, the Coinbase or whatever website she told us to use, I was like, oh, this is super duper um, we talked about easy. Coinbase. Remember when we talked about Bitcoin? Um, yes, but Coinbase. I had never used it. So oh, I was okay. like, I don't know how it works. You know, like I was like, this seems hard or like, how do you even get your money? Remember we talked about, I don't even know if you get your money back. And now that I've been on, I'm like, oh, this is easy. But yeah, I think we should definitely have somebody just because it's all the rage right now. So we should definitely be talking about it. I did it. post in the group. We just did a whole guide on the the Bitcoin and how you sell it, how to invest it. Can you buy it with a credit card, how to spend it? Um, I posted it in the in the Facebook group. I'll repost okay. it. For everyone listening, if you want a guide to, if you just want a beginner's guide to Bitcoin, it tells you, it gave me a really good sense too. I had my my favorite writer, Bob Sullivan, do an excellent like explainer on the history of cryptocurrency, the other types of cryptocurrency that are out there, what it even is. Um, and the conclusion is the same. It's that if you have play money that you don't mind losing, sure, I go ahead yep. and buy some Bitcoin. Um but we posted this. Um, we posted a graphic in the story, which is, I think, very telling. If you look at the trajectory of the value of Bitcoin, you know, a year ago being almost near zero dollars, and today being worth over sixteen thousand um, dollars a coin. Actually, I just I checked that number two days ago, so who knows where it's at now? It changes. It said, it said nineteen thousand last time okay. I checked. It's okay, so even higher. But it 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 just can turn like a dime. Like it'll it it's I, so yeah. volatile, and it's only picked up in the last couple of months um, that it's been blowing up like it is now. And I don't know. I just feel like as an investor and like, you know, reading things like reading the whole Warren Buffett philosophy and the Jack Vogel, Jack Vogel uh, philosophy about investing. For me, it's like when everyone's talking about it and it seems like the hot new thing, that's when I am afraid to put my hat in the ring. Like, because mm-hmm. like the housing crisis, that's when everyone was like, buy a house, buy a house, no money down, like, you know, buy three houses. 
Um, it to me, it just feels like, all right, take a step back. The hot new thing maybe isn't the best thing for you, and think about it. Yep. Ooh, and look, it just fell. Uh, I'm just on Coinbase right now. It just fell twenty twenty five hundred dollars in the past hour. It was nineteen thousand, and now it's fifteen in one hour. Yeah, I think it's fun to like maybe put some. Well, you put ten. You can buy. Um, one thing I didn't know, so you can just buy like ten dollars worth. You can you don't have to spend like nineteen thousand dollars for one Bitcoin, do you? Yeah, which I like. That's what I liked okay. about it. Because yeah. I was like, oh, and you can automate it. So let's just say you're like, you know what? I'm not going to eat. Um, I, I eat out, out lunch um, every every day during the week. And lunch is $10. And so you say to yourself, okay, on Wednesday, I'm not going to eat out lunch. I'll eat from home. And I'm just going to buy $10 worth of um, cryptocurrency a week. You can actually set it to buy the $10. Like, okay, every Wednesday, my lunch money will go toward buying it. So that's what I would probably do is just like, oh, it's money, like you said, kind of play money. And you can literally just set it to let it buy weekly for you or just buy one time and just leave it and say, well, you never know. Let's see, you know? So what's your $10 worth now? Um, well, it's gone down because, you know, Bitcoin fell. Actually, it just fell again. Wow. While we were talking right now, it fell. Uh, it just fell, <laughs> fell another $15 <laughs> while we were just talking. Oh, um, so which is fine. No, because I bought $10 and I don't even know. Like what is whatever percentage like of um 20 percent. so my ten dollars is now worth eight dollars i'm because it's, it's gone down yeah it's gone down 20 percent. and tomorrow if it goes up then it'll go up but imagine for people who have put a hundred two hundred three hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. and 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 now you're you're what you have in there is worth 20 percent less in an hour and while well, we're speaking it's go ahead yeah another thing that people may not realize is this is not regulated it's not fdic insured like a savings yep. account if you lose bitcoin you can't get it back and mm-hmm. one thing that's been happening that we cover in our guide is that Bitcoin, there's people out there who like hackers who are who are obsessively trying to find people to hack their computers and get their yep. Bitcoin. And if they successfully take your Bitcoin, you you can't get it back. There's no police. You like there's no, no regulation right. for it. So it's very it's just really risky. So it just goes back to the idea that, you know, don't don't use money that you're not willing to lose. Yes, to play the, one it. of the reasons why I said no to one of the instructors is she was really nice and she seemed knowledgeable, but then she told me that all of her money was in Bitcoin, what? all of it. <laughs> and I said, wait, that I don't understand. She was, she was like, no, yeah. So like, she's like, you know, I just find different vendors. Like my um my um trainer, because she had like a personal trainer, they take Bitcoin and I order my groceries to be, and I'm like, girl, you can't talk to the dream catchers because that is unwise. <laughs> like I cannot in mm-hmm. good conscience. Like, She's probably I, I, like one of the people who got into Bitcoin early on because it was like, yeah, F the system. Like this is going to be the way we, we break financial institutions. I mean that was the whole reason. That's really the the impetus for Bitcoin was to be like the anti-traditional – or not Bitcoin but like cryptocurrencies was to have a way to like create a currency that's not going to be tracked by the government, um, that's tied to its own inherent value – um, and like during the Occupy Wall Street movement, this was the thing they wanted to use Bitcoin and some, some like progressive stores would let you use Bitcoin to pay for things. And mm. I think even now, like Amazon, you can use, or some like major websites accept Bitcoin. Um, anyway, but those fanatics, like, I don't know, that seems like. It's not why, I mean, first of all, it's, it's literally not wise in any sector. So like to have a hundred percent of your money in real estate, a hundred percent in, in bonds, a hundred percent in, in individual stocks, it's just not wise. You know what I mean? So it's just, 
when she said that, I was like, yeah, I don't think you're a fit. And it was weird because I had a guy that I interviewed and he was like, just so you know, I'm a little firm. I don't believe in that touchy feely stuff. I'm like a father figure. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that will be what? a fit for uh, 300,000 uh, women of color <laughs> to say, I'm your daddy. You going to listen to me? <laughs> I was like, sir, you are not a fit. That's creepy. Yes, it is creepy. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so we found it. So hopefully we'll, we'll try to get Cassandra on in the new year. Okay, word. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Chat time. Now it's time to break or boost. Break or boost. Even though I'm in a great mood, I'm not going to boost today. I wasn't going to boost either. Ooh, well, well, they're going to have to get this work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe so, I'll find an, a positive spin, but go ahead. So, yeah, I'm like, hmm. so um, I am going to uh, break from, from sense of entitlement. So um, earlier today, I was in a Dreamcatcher group and a woman, let's just call her Mary, wrote me and said, hey, um, you know, I was loving this group until, what'd she say? Um, I was really starting to enjoy this group until I saw the latest post, a black woman only wanting black women's opinions. How would that have worked if it was the other way around? If I would have posted that and said, basically, black women, you have nothing of value that you can tell me. Wow. Is that allowed racist much? And so honestly, my knee jerk reaction was like, what? That's crazy. So I was like, right about to type to Lori, uh, Mary, whatever. She's gone now. Um, I was about to type to Mary. Oh, my goodness. You're right. Like no one, the way she worded it, I thought she gave advice and someone said, I don't want to hear advice from anyone who's not black. That's what I thought. That's the way it was worded. Cause I was so, as I was scrolling through, I found the post and the post was a meme that said black women who are 35 and above in age. Um, what advice do you have for black women in their twenties thoughts? That's what the post said. Black women who are 35 and above in age, what advice do you have for black women in their 20s? Okay, that's and much so, different. Yes. And I said, Lori, although I can, I can, I can, I didn't say I can understand. I took that back because I couldn't understand. I said, although I can uh, appreciate your feedback that the, the post was not racist, um, that, that the post was just someone asking for women who had, it didn't say that you had to, that, that she, you know, she didn't want non-black opinions. She just, there's a unique, there are unique challenges as a woman of color faces. And she's saying, as a woman of color who has been through those challenges, can you basically um, give assistance to your younger self? You know, that like yeah. that, I didn't, you know, and that's it. Like, I didn't find it to be right. Like you could have, you could have jumped in and, and gave some advice or whatever. And then of course she did the whole all lives matter, like, um, you know, I know a lot of black women and she put black women in quotes, which I thought was weird. 
Um, I know. <laughs> well, kudos I know to you for actually responding to her nonsense. Because I wasn't going to, but I said, you know what? This could be a teachable moment. She said, um, she said something like, I know a lot of black women and she needs to be removed. And um, so asking questions that would, would never cross my mind. I don't know. She was like, everybody has something to offer black, white, and green or purple. And I just said, you know, and then she wrote me back. She was like, well, clearly this is a hate group. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna report it. And that's when I was like, well, we don't have anything else to say. Before you get to reporting, girl, block and ban. You can't report what you can't find. Um, <laughs> and so my break is from the sense of entitlement that 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 clearly Mary thought because she wasn't the default. Meaning, no one said, "Hey, Mary, you can't give your opinion." But it wasn't, "Hey, Mary, I want your opinion." You see what I mean? Yeah. That. Because she, because Mary is not used to being not the default. Like as a woman of color, I'm used to not being the default. I'm used to going to the store knowing that most of the doll babies are going to be, um, going to be white. I'm used to getting makeup that says nude and knowing that it's not going to be brown. I'm used to getting pantyhose, not that I wear pantyhose, and knowing that nude is going to be really light. I'm I'm used to it not being the default, and I'm not angry about it. It's just okay. I'm just. That's just it. And Mary's not used to not being the default. This woman didn't say, hey, no, you know, no Asian, no white, no whatever women allowed. Just, hey, if you're a black woman, can you give advice to your younger self? And I just, you know, and so I just want to take a, a, a brown, a super brown break from that sense of entitlement. Like, girl, first of all, one, I started this group, not I started the Bajanista and stuff, not not. I started the group for women, but I have a special sensitivity and focus on women of color because we have been left out of the conversation, the financial conversation, more than any other group, women of color. And so we, I always say I welcome everyone. There are men in that group. There are people of all different types of races. But know that I am very conscious and sensitive of making sure that women of color in particular are served. Because you can literally get served every place else. This is the one restaurant where we could get served and like, you know, specifically get served. And so I'm not going to apologize for that. So I was just like, you know, I mean, I can understand, especially if you've never been on the other end of not everything not being for you. But oh, well, girl, like that's what it is. Like this is dream catchers that everybody is welcome. But I'm talking to um to everyone, but specifically women of color, yes, because it's one of the few places where we get spoken to specifically. And if you're mad about that, you know, you could take your mad ass and, and go someplace else. Because first of all, that's not even what racism is. I wanted to be like, I need you to Google and use a, a dictionary because racism is not, you're talking about discrimination. So that's first. Racism, someone who does not have financial or political power over you cannot be racist. Because that's what racism really is, is that, you know, based upon the color of someone's skin, you are able to impose financial or political power over that person. So a post like that is not racist. Because first of all, black people and brown people, they don't have the financial political power in this country. So we cannot, by that definition, really be racist. We might be discriminatory, yes, but no, Mary, that's not what it is. And I was like, girl, block ban. I was trying to be nice and teach you a teachable moment quote unquote, I have quote unquote black women at my job. What is quote unquote? Either they are or they aren't. So what? <laughs> then you can speak 
you could have contributed to that conversation because like, was she going to say, oh, okay, so I have five black friends at women, black women at work. And here's something that I realized they could be doing better. <laughs> like that, how would you even start to phrase that sort of answer? It just, yes. kills, it kills me that they, they feel threat. It's, I think it's like a sense of being threatened yeah. by any conversation that doesn't include you. Um, rather than like being open to it. I I, w- I just wish some people realized that the best thing you can do if you want to be an ally, this goes toward men and the whole discussions around Me Too and sexual harassment. It goes for white women when we're talking about uh, racial inequity between gender, black women especially. Like sometimes the best way to be an ally is just to be quiet and let someone yeah. else do the talking for once. Um, yeah, not everyone quite has gotten that memo yet. Exactly. And that's exactly what it is. And sometimes, sometimes you just, you're right. It's just to say, you know what, this is, I don't have a dog in this fight and it's okay. Like, you know, like right now, you know, maybe it's, um, it's lesbian women talking about, you know, how they feel this is unfair. And it's not for me to say, well, girl, that's not true. Well, how would I know? How would I know? And, or like men to say, you know, sometimes I feel okay. Sometimes it's just for me to say, you know what? I never thought about it that way. Let me sit back, observe, read and listen. And honestly, Mandy, the post in the group, like under the the comments, I get chills reading the comments. It is so beautiful. Like the advice that older women are not older, older, but you know, but the advice that the women are giving to their younger selves, basically to the younger women in the group. I mean, it is the most beautiful post. It's like, you know, you're more than enough. You're worthy. Um, uh, um, don't don't be with anyone that would ask you to dim your shine. I mean, the advice is, it is literally the reason why I created Dreamcatchers, that kind of post. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, it's beautiful. And I just thought she was so wrapped up in her own whatever that, did you even read the advice? Like, it's just, it was moving, honestly. And so, yeah, Mary, kick rocks. <laughs> well that was kind of like a break you you, you brought it that you brought the boost at the end the boost yes. for the women supporting each other i mean have you ever sat down to write a letter to yourself at a certain age Oof, that's some uh yeah that's some heavy stuff my therapist told me to do that one time and i it took me like i kept putting it off for like a month until i did it it was it was a moment and what about that. you what is your boost your break my break um my break was going to be interviews. Um, I've been, I feel really, really lucky and well, not lucky. I feel a real sense of responsibility around hiring the right people for my team, but Mm -hmm. such a sense of responsibility that I like am over freaking whelmed by the hiring process. So we have three to four open positions, open applications are pouring in. There's hundreds to go through. There's interviews to set up. You know, every interview that I do is like at least a 30 to 45 minute and today two one hour phone conversations with people, you know, kind of discussing the role and what it takes. Like, I don't know. I I don't know how anybody like does this more efficiently than what I'm trying to do. But and it's almost like I'm casting for like a film or something. I'm like, I just haven't found the right person, the right fit for this part. And just like the 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 mental strain of the back and forth people following up and sending follow up emails and like telling people that they, you know, you're not interested, you know, they don't think they will be a right fit yet. I have to send those emails to people, which uh. is, which is like, I could punt it and have the HR team email them and say, you know, we're no longer interested, but I always just feel like it's better just to do it. Like out of respect, I'll personally tell you because I am the person you've been talking to, you know, um, that is not a good fit. Like sending those emails is tough. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, I had someone in an interview be like, well, has anything, you know, you know, we'll have like a half hour interview and then they'll be like, well, is there any reason you think I couldn't do this job? And I'm like, what kind of question is this? Um, I mean, I don't really have an answer for you. Like, I, I've only talked to you for half an hour. Um, there could be a lot of reasons why you can't do it, but I need just more than a, you know, half hour discussion to decide. Somebody today told me that they didn't want, you know, I'm interviewing for a specific, specific role. And I was asking, uh, this person for ideas that they might have if they were to be in this role, this creative role where you're creating something, you know, tell me what things you would like to create. That's a pretty fair question. Mm -hmm. And the response was, um, I just want to know that we're eventually going to be on track for hiring before I tell you my ideas because I would just be worried that, you know, they would be taken from me and I wouldn't be, you know, hired. And I, I was like, maybe if this were, if I were a tech firm and I was asking for the patent model or the, you know, like the, the design of your specific invention or whatever but I'm like you haven't invented the video like there's only so many different things you can do like this isn't you know like oh come my on. god no, like, I respect rolling. you but also like seriously so we're just gonna stare at each other like what <laughs> this is not a productive hour Ugh, it's exhausting oh my gosh I didn't even like oh Okay. I was honestly like, oh, okay. So this past 45 minutes, you've, we've just, I mean, I, I really, I, I looked back on the, the 45 minutes we had spent talking so far and I was like, yeah, nothing here is like that spectacular anyway. So what are you holding? Like, <laughs> uh, anyway. They're like, whatever. You're going to steal my ideas, girl. You're going to, you're going to start a whole company. Uh, I will say some things that I've learned having to, cause I, I come, I usually do it at work. I mean, sorry, at home, I wait till I get home and I'll read through resumes and cover letters and stuff. I really, I used to be anti cover letter. Like I thought it was stupid. They're never going to read this. Why write one? I really read them. And when I have hundreds to go through, I skip over ones that don't give me a cover letter. Like unless the resume is spectacular. Um, okay. I really do because for me, they're an opportunity to see one. Did you even look at the site and what we're mm. doing? Um, two, do you even care what we, what we do? Do you have an interest in it? And some people have convinced me to call them even because of their cover letter. If, if their resume doesn't really, you know, if their resume doesn't show me such a, like a natural job history, you know, if they haven't had bam, 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 personal finance or financial experience at different businesses and media or whatever. Um, but they wrote a killer cover letter telling me things I didn't know about them that would make them a good fit for the job. And I've, I've marked, you know, I've, I've pushed them through the process because of that. Um, I think, I don't know. I think it gives you an edge. I say, don't sleep on the cover letter. Don't make it long, but write a cover letter. No, that's smart. I never thought about that. I never, I haven't, ugh, I don't even know that. Have I ever written a cover letter? Cause my first job was a teacher, preschool teacher. And I don't think I had to write a cover letter for that. I mean, because it was more so like, come in, play with the kids. Let's see you in action, you know? I think I did yeah. submit a resume. And then after that, honestly, I didn't. Um, my next job was basically the budgetista. <laughs> yeah. You know, but definitely like when like when I, I hire now, I'm a little bit more informal, but I have more of an informal kind of cover letter. So, yes, you send your resume. And typically, instead of a cover letter, I do ask for a statement. Because I kind of bigger to me than than specific skill sets, unless I'm hiring for like the CFO or that kind of thing. Like if we're doing like customer support or 
project management or whatever, those are things I can kind of teach. So I'm really just your cover letter or the statement that I asked for speaks to more of your your state of mind. It's really important to me that you're going to fit into the company culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because well, yeah. we have like... That's another thing. Such to th- a like... Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say it's another thing to think about too is the people... Like it, re- it really is like with each person I'm hiring, I'm thinking about how they're going to interact with each other, but I'm building a new team. So you don't know if someone three, like the person you hired right now is like, okay, I'm really working from this personality moving forward. Like if you, if you keep, like if you keep sort of trying to hire people who will fit in with the people you've already hired, you can kind of like back yourself into a corner of a certain type of person, person. if that makes sense. So I'm like, I'm looking for age diversity. I want people from different backgrounds. Um, And I think I'm doing an okay job. But one thing I realized is when you're, when you have a lot of new people on a team, there is a lack of, um, like, not collaboration, like a lack of chemistry. Cause you really, like, imagine everybody on their first day of school when no one knows each other yet. You know, like, there's a little bit of awkwardness. Like, it takes a while to get to know people and warm up. So I'm, I'm seeing that in the office and, I'm just I'm giving it time. I'm giving people time to get accustomed. Like they're not only getting to know their job, like a new job, but it's a new company and there's new coworkers coming in all the time. And I think it's just like another layer of challenge is giving like waiting for that that vibe to happen, that like that, you know, the office space where everyone sort of knows each other and chats and like gets along and stuff. You can't like you can't force it. Um and I think it takes time and that's something I I I wasn't thinking about being like the, the, um, and it's also what happens if you don't hire people that you know that are already your friends, you know? Yeah. Everyone who knows each other. Some startups are like, oh, it's our four roommates from college, and then we just hired our three friends, and it's all one big happy family. Um, yeah. But because I'm intentionally not doing that, it's, it's, um, it's, I think it's positive, but it also comes with a set of challenges too. Questions, my favorite part. Questions. What do they want to know? Or question? Question. We have a question. Yes. Um, again, you can email us at brownambitionpodcast.com if you have a career or finance question. Um, or you can go to Brown Ambition. Did I do that again where I said? Yes, you, you did. Uh, <laughs> you did. It's okay. Well, you can also send us an email by going to brownambitionpodcast.com yep. um, and hitting the Ask Us Anything tab. Or you can just email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. to send us an email directly. Um, yeah, today we have a good question from uh, a writer named Brittany who says, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Love listening to you on my way, on my way to work in the morning. Thank you. Thank you both for creating. Okay, just praise, praise, praise. Thanks, Brittany. Um, my question is about moving to New York City while trying to be financially responsible. I'm a recent graduate of San Francisco State University, and I plan on moving to New York this coming spring. I currently work in finance full-time as a loan representative, but I've always had the dream of living in New York and pursuing a career in writing. I don't have very much debt, under $5,000, but I also don't have a lot saved, less than $2,000. Can you give me some tips on how to prepare myself financially for such a big move? I was very fortunate that I got a job right out of college that pays around $55,000 per year, but I'm a bit scared that I may not be able to find something comparable to this in salary in New York. Da, 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 da. What's Oh, she asked Ooh. specifically, what's a realistic amount to have saved before relocating to New York City? 
And Mandy, can you give some tips on how you were able to find a job in the writing field? I was going to say, Mandy, this is all you, girl. I was like, <laughs> what? Mandy, did, you, did your what? younger self just pop in and write this? It, it could have been me. It could have been me. Although I didn't ask any questions. I was like, see you in New York. I'll be there. $16 in the bank. Um, hey, Brittany. Yeah, this is a great question. I think it's um, really brave, but I think there's no better time to do it. Like if you're going to take a risk, if you, gra- you graduated college recently, I am, you know, this may not be everyone's advice, but I am the kind of person who says, man, when you're 22 and you have an ambition and you have an idea and you want to try it out, like do it. Because in 10 years, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have the same kind of freedom that you have now. You know, after college, I split and I was like, bye job world and bye recession. And I went to South America and it was the best thing I ever did. And, um, you know, same thing with New York City. When I I got the opportunity, I I had a decent job too when I was in Georgia. Um, and I got an opportunity to go to New York um, for a job. And I was like, bye, Georgia. Um, <laughs> and I and it sort of works out. But I think you just got to take the plunge. Um, one thing that one thing, this is a question I feel like we've gotten before. Do you move before you have a job in place? Um, I moved here when I had a job offer. I didn't come here. I, you know, I sound pretty brave, but I didn't come here without a, without a plan or at least like a paycheck. Um, but I learned that even if you do have a plan, you never know what's going to happen. When I moved here, I lost my job two months later. Like I thought I was making the right decision. And then they were like, girl, bye. Um, we're cutting Mm. 10% of our staff. So at that point I was, I was in a, I was in a worse position than you were because I didn't have any savings saved up. Like, I think I had gotten a total of two paychecks or maybe, I don't know how many paychecks I'd gotten a few, but they were all gone like on rent and I bought a bed and I bought an iPhone and that's like it. Um, <laughs> I still love that story. <laughs> a bed and an iPhone. Cause why not? I mean, an iPhone is essential. I just wanted a good phone, man. I was like, <laughs> I got a job. I need the phone to match. I got a mattress, no bed frame, just a mattress on the floor. Oh my gosh. Um, sad, sad story. Um, but so she's got five, she's got a little under $5,000 worth of debt. That's not that much, especially she went to a state school. That's smart. And she's got about $2,000 saved. Like, I think you're probably in better shape than a lot of young graduates who are moving to New York City, if I can just be so bold. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say starting your job search before you get here is a good idea. Um, how to get jobs, how to get – well, you're you're pivoting from working in finance. That's the real – that's the challenge, I think, is like your experience – it's like I was saying earlier about the cover letter. Your experience so far tells me that you work for a financial firm as a loan representative – so what is it about you that tells me you could be a writer? Um, I think that you're going to have to really uh, work on a good, not just a good cover letter, but embellish your, not embellish, but add additional things to your resume or cover letter that show your skills as a writer. Like you should be writing in your spare time. You should, if it's not blogging, you should be trying to get freelance writing assignments. Um, you can freelance, shoot, you can freelance for Magnify Money. Email me. Um, we'll see if you're, if you, if you have what it takes to be a, um, you know, a financial freelance writer. Um, but like show some clips, you know, show some experience outside of your nine to five that, that tells a job, like a hiring manager that you have the skills that we need because we're not going to get it probably from looking at your resume. Um, yeah, that's how I got my job in personal finance. Like I had never been, or as a, um, as a, um, as a writer for business insider, so after I lost my job, I got a job at a legal news site called Law360, which is like a big company now. It was a startup back then. Um, and I was miserable there. I wasn't writing. I was an assistant. I was basically like 
the the person who found ideas for the actual reporters to write, which was like super demoralizing. But I wasn't writing for like 15 months, but I started my blog, The Bike Writer. So I was blogging about biking in New York City and life in New York City. And I was doing listicles and posts and covering what I loved. And when the opening at Business Insider came up, they read my blog and they were like, oh, you can write totally. This is the style that we want. This is the voice that we need, even though I hadn't been doing it full time. Um, and I didn't realize it. I mean, it wasn't like my big strategy, but it definitely it helped me get through the door by having done like some work outside of my nine to five that showed I, I could have the skills to be good in that job. And two, like I, and just in preparation, just, I mean, I mean, I don't, you sound like, you know, you've got your finances um, pretty tight, but just tighten even more so because when you're making like any sort of big switch, um, especially if it's going to affect your finances, you're going to want to like, I would, you know, really buckle down, like as far as being like really frugal, it's not forever. And just making sure that your budget is super tight and that you, you know, that you have a, a like a, a clear system for paying down that debt, even though it's not much, but because you, you want to have as much space and leeway um, to to make financial missteps when you first get here, because New York is a whole different beast than animal, you know? And so, yeah, mm-hmm. just do as, as much prep work as you can. I mean, it's almost like having a baby, you know, you can take Lamaze classes and do all these other things and make sure you have the crib and whatever, but there's nothing like actually moving here, but it doesn't mean that you can't prepare as much as possible. Yeah, she doesn't say what kind of debt it is. And that would really, that would really influence what I was going to say next, because she's got $5,000, less than $5,000 in debt and a little under $2,000 in savings. Um, And she asked, what's the real, real, what's the realistic amount to have saved before relocating to New York City? Um, I think realistically, you could easily spend $2,000 on security deposit and first month's rent and kiss that money goodbye. um, As soon as you move here, Um, it depends on where you live. But I know my first apartment in Astoria, Queens, which is like half an hour outside of Manhattan, eight years ago was $850 a month. So you double that, that was like $1,700 off the bat that I had to come up with um, to move in. And it wasn't the greatest apartment in the greatest neighborhood either, just to give you an idea. Um, part of me and what to what Tiffany was saying too about buckling down before you get here, if you have until the spring, could you pay off that debt? Mm-hmm. by the springtime $5,000 you got 2000 saved up are you if you're living at home right now you don't have any overhead expenses you know maybe it's worth the risk a little bit to take the savings that you have and pay off that debt um it depends on I mean again I'll say like that's a caveat like what kind of debt is it if it's credit card debt it probably does make more sense to take that $2,000 and pay it off as much as you can and then just really attack it if it's student loan debt at a low interest rate okay maybe you have a bit of a case for keeping some money in savings and not, you know, attacking it with with the savings that you have so far um, and just instead steadily chip chiseling away at it over time. But I think I, I think you could pay off that five thousand dollar debt. By the I think so too. you're making good money. Fifty five thousand dollars a year. Um, I think make that your goal. Like, why not come here debt free? Um, and while you're paying it down, be looking at jobs, be working on your freelance writing, um, be looking at uh, looking at what types of companies you want to apply for and seeing if they have any openings. Um, I don't think you should move here. Don't move here. Like I know earlier it was like, oh, follow your dream, which is true. But don't come here blind. Like know if people are hiring, get a sense of like what types of jobs are out there. 
try and get some interview calls, try and talk to, you know, you can, I'm not even, you can email me, we can talk about what a starting salary for, you know, a journalist or uh, a reporter is, you know, in the city um, to see what's realistic and then maybe make the move. Um, but uh, I, I know people who have gotten jobs before they, I know people who have gotten jobs, moved here without a job and just gotten one, you know, a couple months mm. later. Um, mm. I, I'm a little risk averse. I don't know that I would do that. I don't know that I would do that without more savings than what you have now. Like I would say six months savings, yeah. three to six months savings, and then you're in a position to move here and take your time. But with $2,000 savings, like I said, you, you can be, that could blow up. You could easily blow that the first month. Um, maybe once you have 6,000, then you're ready to come here and like, you know, um, hang out and, and see what's what, um, have a bit of a cushion just in case you don't make it right away. But, um, I think in the position you are now, give yourself more time, save up maybe five, $6,000 cash, pay off that debt. And then you're in really good shape. Yeah. But I agree with Mandy, like in New York is a, it's a, it's a crazy wild beast and you, you want to have more money saved if you can. Cause yeah, a month that could be gone. I mean, whew. Yeah. New York, child, New York. Mm-mm-mm. Just living. I mean, she lives in San Francisco, I think. I don't know. She doesn't say, but just the oh, okay. living expenses alone. She graduated from San Francisco State University. Okay. Sounds like she's on the West Coast, but man, just yeah. rent alone. I mean, and people in some places want first and last months and security. Like that's it's you need startup money <laughs> like in New York. It's not even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you, or come to Jersey. But with Tiffany, I'm sure uh, apartments are a lot more affordable in Newark than probably Queens or Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Thinking about that too. Like there are some neighboring like cities that you can get to New York really quickly without necessarily having to live there right away. Yeah. Even even Kanye lived in Newark for a little while before he blew up. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. I just found that out like the other day. Someone was like, <laughs> "Yep." That like when he was still like you know first album producing and like trying to like you know really solidify his career, he lived in Newark for a little bit. Who'd have known? Who'd have thought? All right, Miss Brittany. Good luck. I'm not kidding. Email me. Um, email us again. I'll email you back if you have any more specific um, tips about starting your writing career in New York City. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's it. Thanks for your question. Send yes. more. <laughs> yeah, send more. We like answering questions. Love it. Now, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. What wins do you have? I have one. I had one win exactly. Is that enough? Okay. Yes, I think that, I think that's enough. Um, I'm going to win the cover of Time Magazine this week. Yes. Have you seen it? The Totem Pole of Magic? No, I, yes. I, oh, you I didn't see it. it. Oh, it's amazing. No, I, it's amazing. I saw that. I was like, woohoo. Yikes, my bad. My husband just happened? walked in the room. He gave me a look like, so I was supposed to put Alyssa's um, Supergirl's Christmas presents up, and I forgot. He walked in the room like, she just saw them. I'm like, hey, oh, no. <laughs> I'm a terrible wife. He said, you have one job. One job. So, of course, she came in and was like, ah, because I heard screaming downstairs. I guess she got excited because they're unwrapped, and I was supposed to hide them in the room, and I did it. Oh, no. <laughs> You're going to have some fun stuff to deal with after this show's over. He just looked at me. He gave me, you know, when people give you the eye squint, like yeah. they look at the <laughs> And 
just shook his head like, honestly, Tiffany, you have one job to do. Put the presents up. I was like, I looked at him, I'm like, what's the big, ooh, is that what the squealing was? Uh. (laughs) It's only one, it was just a couple, because she has more than one. It it wasn't like a big, you know, yeah. I'm telling myself that as I'm like, yeah, preparing to. It's a big deal, it's fine. I know. (laughs) So what was your way to get up, sorry? Um, It was the the majestic totem pole on the cover of Time Magazine. Yes. With uh, Mindy Kaling, Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, and Storm Reid. From um, Ava DuVernay's upcoming film, A Wrinkle in Time, which I can't wait to see. Yeah, no, honestly, it does look super, super, super awesome. The future is female. That is all. Yeah. Somebody said, <laughs> somebody was like, um, that it looked like the Death Row cover from Vibe Magazine or The Source. What? Do you remember, you know, like, wait. Google Death Row cover. Um, it's Tupac. It's, um, um, what is his name? Um, uh, the big guy, Suge Knight. No, oh, Tupac, Suge okay. Knight, and I think I think um, Snoop Dogg is on it. But they're wearing all black like that. When you see it, you're gonna laugh hysterically. Didn't Suge Knight like just? Didn't he kill Tupac or something? Wait, am I am I wrong? Well, no. Well, that's the that's they the, didn't that's pose the for it. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Photoshop. They didn't pose side by side. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, but it's just funny because it's all black and stuff. People are just like, huh? This looks like a. Oh. <laughs> A source magazine cover. No, but that definitely is a huge win. Um, my win is going to go to my baby sis because she found a job that she really likes. So she's been working two jobs for like, I don't know, like a year or so now. One job on the weekend. This is so like millennial. One job on the weekend for um for insurance and then the other job because she was really interested in, in that job. Um, but it was a lot, you know, working seven days a week. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and so we were t- talking about it and... and she wasn't happy at one of the jobs anymore. And she just was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to be here. I, I came here. It's, it's kind of a startup, but it just wasn't what she expected. And, you know, and, she, you know, she just was now that she's like getting older, she's in her late 20s. She's not as, as um, I guess, I don't know. I was surprised that she just didn't quit because like that's the old her like, hey, I'm out. I hate it, you know. But she was like, no, I'm older now. I have bills and things. And, you know, I don't that's feel comfortable just leaving. Yeah, I was actually really surprised. But I told her, I was like, you know what, you have choices. And she's like, I feel like I don't. And I said, you do. Um, that, you know, um, apply for different places and ask yourself what you really want. And I put some feelers out there. And um, I'll wait till she signs her papers to say where, because we actually know her, the woman that ex- ended up hiring her. She's like, she basically is going to be a baby veganista for another company, which I thought was awesome, because it'll help her, like, reinforce, like, the lessons that she's learned from me and my dad. Um, and so she's super excited because it pays really well. It pays more than her two jobs combined and there's health insurance. And I said, look at you. So this, to me, this is like her first, like not a first real job, but you know, like, woohoo, like I'm getting insurance and good pay. Look at life. So I'm just really proud of her for like, you know, like sticking with it and, and taking the leap and, and doing what she needed to do. Her cover letter was bomb. Her resume was bomb. She did a great interview. Like, I made the introduction, but there was no guarantee. And um, there's something that this job did that I thought was really interesting, and most jobs should do, that um, this position had her do not an internship, or an apprenticeship, where they said, okay, we know you have a regular job. What days, two days a week, are you free after work or before work or whatever to come and basically work with us? We'll pay you. But basically, like, you know, work with us. And it's an uh, apprenticeship. So if you can decide whether you like us and we can decide if we like you. And that way, if it doesn't work, then you don't have to quit where you are. And we just move on. But isn't that so genius? 
Yeah, we do something like that with some people. We do like a test run. So like producers, we would have a producer come in and do a freelance project, pay them. But it's like a good – It's and some some people think it's frustrating because it's like, oh, I just want a full-time job. But I think it's smart. It's much less painful to get rid of a contract, like a contractor than a full-time person. Exactly. So during your apprenticeship, you know that you're just basically – it was literally just a few weeks like three weeks, two days a week. And she went in and she was like, Oh, I really do like it because you know, you, you never know what you're actually going to be doing it to, you, you know, what you're actually going to be doing to you do it. And so she enjoyed it and they enjoyed her. So they made her an offer. So I was like, yay, what a great way to start the new year with the new job that you're excited about. So yeah, congratulations, awesome. baby Lisa, not so baby Lisa. <laughs> and and I, her, her, her former boss is listening. Oh, well, you lost a good one. <laughs> I just I just saw a headline and I'm like, dang, this would have been a good win too, but I have to say. So I just read that, um, you know, Me Too, the movement that was – so the movement has just sort of caught on this past spring, but the founder of it is an African-American woman named Tarana Burke. She's mm-hmm. going to be leading the New York City ball drop for New Year's Eve. Isn't that dope? Really? Yeah. Um, it's usually like Ryan Seacrest and Bad Mariah Carey lip syncing. This is like yeah. – New Year's Eve has never really been political till now, but that's awesome. Yeah. No, that is awesome. Wow. Okay. I love that she's getting her shine on. Yeah, because there was a lot of controversy because she wasn't on the cover of Time Magazine's um, People of the Year issue, which I totally, I don't know what the hell they were thinking not putting her on the cover. Um, So it's nice that she gets her shine, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Tarana Burke. Hey, Tawana. Mm. Someone was like, somebody said um, Time Woman of the Year or Time, one of Time Persons of the Year. Her name is Tawana. Um, Atlanta mayor, her name is Keisha. Yes, Black Girl Magic. <laughs> Hell yeah. We had some first Black female mayors get elected in this past, mm-hmm. or was it um, not mayors, maybe um, I forget now, one in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I think she's the first African American Black, uh, yeah, Black female mayor in Carolina. I'm going to check real quick. That's where Lending Tree is based. Yes, well, while you're, while you're checking, Everybody say a little, put some good energy out there, pray or whatever that, so remember that budget NISA law that I was um, working on with a friend of mine who's a councilwoman in Jersey City? Yes. That so was, the budget NISA law, yeah. so it hasn't passed yet because there's, you know, it's a really good civics lesson about it has to go to the committee and then the house and the, blah, 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 blah. so it just got voted on um, to be voted on by the Senate. So the whole Senate floor in New Jersey Senate, I didn't realize that there were like senators, like federal senators and I didn't realize they were state senators so so all I guess it's like 40 I think New Jersey state senators are going to be voting on the bill soon and then after they vote if they vote yes so I think I need 21 votes after if they vote yes then it literally goes to Governor Christie's desk so there's only two more steps for this bill that would make it mandatory for kids to learn financial education in elementary and middle school not just high school but literally for the entirety of your your academic career while you're in public school, um, this bill would make that mandatory. So I know two more steps. Fingers crossed. Yes, budget needs the bill. It's really like bill A two three four five six. But we would we call it the budget needs the bill. They wouldn't call it that officially, which I'm like whatever haters, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Man, okay, yes, it is. It is Charlotte, just Charlotte, North Carolina, elected its first female African American mayor. Um, which is awesome. Vi Lyles. Yes. All this brown sugar everywhere. Yeah. Let's think about the positive things of the year moving forward. How, yeah, this is our last show before Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. 
Yes. And I guess we'll be back the week after New Year's. Yep. By then, the Live With Your Challenge will have started and people will be raising their net worth. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Exciting. This is an exciting time of year. I try not to get cynical. I'm like, why not start fresh? There's nothing, nothing, you know, wrong with trying to start fresh and put your best foot forward in the new year. Even if you might, you know, break your, you know, your, your plans a few months later, it's fine. You tried. Yeah, I tried two weeks later. They're like, yeah, I'm over it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, happy new year and Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone listening. We truly appreciate you allowing us to enter into your earbuds another year. So well said. I know, right? It just came from nowhere. I don't know where it came from. I'm not even going to say anything else. I don't want to ruin the moment. Merry Christmas. I'm grateful for you, Miss Tiffany. And I go, I'll see you next year. Yes, I'm grateful for you as well. Good luck with that whole situation downstairs. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like bye. Bye. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.